Well, it was the summer after my freshman year of high school, so it was quite a while ago. And during that year of school, I had developed a friendship with a girl named Kim. And maybe you can see where this is going. It was the classic story of a girl and a boy who were worlds apart. Because Kim was attractive, she was athletic, she was popular, and I was none of those things. <laughs> I was not attractive, I was pretty gangly, and I still had a favorite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Which, by the way, was Leonardo, because it's Leonard with an O on the end. That's a very nerdy reason. <laughs> Adam shaking his head. So, now, despite everything that I had going against me, I did have one thing going for me. Kim had started attending the youth group that I attended, and I was good at youth group. Because I'd grown up going to church, I knew the answer to most Bible questions. I also, believe it or not, played keyboard in the youth worship band, which the name of our band was GCDC. Probably not for the reasons you're thinking, but because those are the only three chords that we could play. <laughs> but we played a really mean, Lord, I lift your name on high. Again and again and again. And so, you know, another, another reason that I was good at youth group is because I'd basically grown up in the church basement. And so I knew all the nooks and crannies and, and hiding places. And so when it came time to play hide and seek or Nerf war, I was like the youth group MVP which was only impressive to me. <laughs> well, as Kim attended youth group, our friendship grew. And did I like her? Yeah, I probably liked her. But I also cared about her. I cared about her well-being. I cared about her eternity. I wanted her to experience life with Jesus. And so I began to, not to preach, I began to pray that Kim would come to know Jesus, that she would make a decision of faith and choose to follow him. Well, one evening during that summer, after youth group was over, uh, we were all hanging out at the youth pastor's house, and, um, you know, looking back, I realized how much food we ate of, of my youth pastor. We probably didn't pay him enough, but we just, there eating food, hanging out, having fun. Most of the students were in the basement. I was upstairs in the living room hanging out with the youth pastor. And so he left the room, and... Um, I was in there alone, and as he walked out of the room, Kim walked into the room. This was my chance. Not my chance to ask her out, because I had no chance in that category, but this was my chance to, to encourage her, to, to talk to her about faith. And so I knew that I wanted to say something, I just didn't know what to say. And I didn't know, I didn't know how to say it, so I just sat there silently. And after a couple moments, Kim walked out of the room, and as you know, the summer went on and, and schedules got busy, she stopped coming to youth group. And I beat myself up for weeks. Man, why didn't I say something? I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, why didn't I encourage her in her faith? Why didn't I invite her also to follow Jesus? 
And I wish that I could say that that was an isolated incident. That, you know, after that, I got in the spiritual gym and I got strong and I got fit and I was, you know, ready the next time somebody was, was ready to, to come to faith. But the truth is, that's been a repeated experience. I mean, even recently, times when I had a sense that, you know, I could help somebody grow in their faith. I could help them come to follow Jesus but then all those questions, all those doubts come rushing in. What do I say? Is this, is this really the right time? What are they gonna think? What are they gonna think of me? Will this hurt our friendship? Will this maybe even like push them further away from faith? What if they have a question that I can't answer? And if I had to make a guess, I would say that I'm probably not alone that many of us feel a sense of hesitation or fear when it comes to having a conversation with someone else about Jesus or about church. And so we've been talking the last couple weeks about how we can, as followers of Jesus, help other people follow Jesus. Not just how we can, like it's an option, but how we are supposed to how we are supposed to help other people meet and follow Jesus. And so we can pray for people. We ask the question, who's the one person you can pray for or can you pray that God would reveal that one person to you? And then, how can we be a neighbor to that person? We can't be a neighbor to everyone, but we can be a neighbor to the person, the people that God brings into our sphere of influence. We can be a neighbor to the people that God brings to us. But at some point, at some point, a conversation needs to take place. At some point, there needs to be an invitation. Now, you might be saying, okay, really? Like, really, am I supposed to do that? Is that, is that on me to talk to someone else about Jesus? And I would respond with this question. How are they going to know about God unless someone tells them? And if you don't talk to them, if you don't have a conversation of faith, then who will? Who will? Because the truth is, there are people all around us, people that we see every day who are living and dying without ever knowing God, without ever knowing of his love for them, people who are dying without ever experiencing the joy of walking with Jesus. And so yes, there is some urgency. So how do we do that? Well, God's word instructs us. And so this morning, we're gonna be looking at uh, a passage that's probably pretty familiar if you've been around church for a while, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It's known as the Great Commission. So Jesus had already uh, had his ministry on earth. He had already lived a perfect life, and then he died to save us. And then Jesus came back to life, and so now his time is coming to a close, and 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 he's been revealing himself to people, but now it's time for his final instructions. He tells his disciples, okay, meet me on the top of this mountain. I'm gonna give you my final instructions, and then I'm out of here. And so we read those instructions in Matthew, chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. And so there are several, uh, several points in, in these final instructions uh, that stand out to us. The first is that Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. I mean, think about it. This guy just died and then came back to life proving that he is God's son. That's a lot of authority. If, if I saw someone die and then come back to life and they're like, hey, can I tell you something? I would say, yes, please tell me, I'm listening. And so this is what Jesus is doing. He's giving them his final instructions and he's saying, I am speaking these with authority. And then what does he say? He says, go. And without, without digging too deep into the original Greek and English participles and all that, I know you guys are excited, but without digging too deep into that, this word go is not a one-time go. It means continuous going. It's, it's a continuous action. As you go, as you go along in life, to the people who are right around you, as you go to work and as you go to the different places you're gonna go, the people who are right with you make disciples of those people. It's not a one-time go. It's not a go get on a plane and go to another country for a one-week mission trip and then come back and then you can check that box. You went. No, as you go in life, make disciples. And we have to ask, what is a disciple? What is it that we are making? Or who is it that we are making? And there's all kinds of literature out there and, and the definition of discipleship could be this wide, but for this morning, it's gonna be this wide. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Someone who is on a journey of faith with Jesus, toward Jesus. So a disciple is someone who is moving towards Jesus. They want to be with Jesus. They want to be like Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And, you know, there's different markers along the way. You know, Jesus says, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so someone who's on a journey of faith with Jesus there's markers like baptism, and there's, there's learning, and there's growing. Someone who's a follower of Jesus is going to be more and more and more like Jesus. If you're not more like Jesus today than you were five years ago, then you might not be following him. You might be standing in one place and watching him. And so for us as disciples and for the people that we are making, we're helping them grow in their faith. We're walking along with them. It's continuous. And then... Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, sometimes I think we see this word nations, and it, it kind of trips us up a little bit. The reason it trips us up is because automatically we think international missions. We think, okay, I have to go get a passport. I have to cross some kind of a border to another country. But this word nations in the original Greek is the word ethne, which means people. Jesus is saying Go and make disciples of all people, of all peoples, which means no one is left out. Everyone is included. There's no one who's off limits. And then Jesus concludes these instructions with an amazing encouragement. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We aren't doing this alone. Elsewhere, Jesus says, when, as I go, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit, my presence is going to empower you as you go, as you make disciples. And so the bottom line is, we already have everything that we need to make disciples. We have good news. The good news is that Jesus came and saved us. 
We have people to share that good news with, the people who are right around us. And we have help. God is working. God is in the midst. You know, that was an important point for me as I, as I worked to overcome my fears, as, as I, I read somewhere that we do the inviting, God does the changing. It's not up to us to transform people's lives. It's up to us to connect people to God. God is the one who changes lives. God is the one who transforms people's stories. We just invite. And so when we read Jesus' commission for us in Matthew chapter 28, it's clear that it is our responsibility, it's our mission to help other people follow Jesus. It's our responsibility. The message can't end with us. We can't be a dead end. And to help us think about that, I want us to look at these two objects and how they relate to water. So we have a bucket and we have a pipe. Let's think about the bucket first. So what do you do with water? You pour the water into the bucket and it sits there. Once the water gets to a certain point, that's all the water you can get in the bucket and then it's done. And unless you carry the bucket somewhere or you pour the water out or you trip over it and spill it like I would do, the water is gonna stay in the bucket. And the water is gonna remain static. It's just gonna sit there. And as you know, if you leave water in the bucket long enough, it's gonna get stagnant. Because it's static, because it's just sitting there, it's gonna get stagnant, it's gonna get gross. It's gonna get that nasty film on the top of it. Eventually, mosquitoes are gonna try and come by and lay their eggs in it or something. It's, it's gonna be gross. And if you wait long enough, that water's eventually going to evaporate and then that grossness is gonna be on the bottom of the bucket. It's gonna be empty and dry. But let's contrast that with a pipe. Because while a pipe moves water, or while a pipe has water in it, it's moving it. The water doesn't sit there. The water is meant to move from the source of the water through the pipe into another location. So instead of the water being static, you could say the water is dynamic, that it's moving, that in the process of that water moving, that it remains fresh, that it, that it, it feeds something else. And my fear is that for many of us here today, for many of us in life, it's easy to be a bucket. It's easy to be a recipient of the good news of Jesus. It's easy to be a holder of the good news of Jesus, of the hope that we have, of this life. And it's easy for it to not go anywhere else. Because we have so many sources, don't we? We can come to church, and we can be a part of a Bible study, and we can read our devotions, and we can listen to Christian music, and we, we keep having all these things filled up inside of us. But eventually... It's just gonna sit there. It's not gonna go anywhere else because it's so easy to keep our faith to ourselves. And what happens to that faith? It grows stagnant because it just sits there inside of us and it never goes anywhere else. Instead, instead, let's be pipelines. Let's allow the message of Jesus, the hope that we have to pass through us into the life of someone else because then the gospel, then this good news is, is dynamic because it's moving and it's transforming others. We connect ourselves to the source of living water, Jesus Christ, and that living water flows through us and it nourishes someone else. We're not meant to be buckets. God created us to not just be disciples, but to be 
disciple makers, to be pipelines of that good news into the lives of others. So how? How do we do that? How do we have a conversation with someone else that invites them to begin their own journey of faith with Jesus? Well, spoiler alert, it's all about relationship. It's all about how we relate to another person. You know, once I read a book about evangelism, and in this book, uh, the author laid out steps, a very uh, sequential process, a very concrete process of how to uh, win someone to faith, how to evangelize. First you say this, and then you say this, and then you say this, and then they say this, they respond this way, and then they're a Christian. And I remember reading that book thinking, time out. Like, yes, it makes sense in your book because you're writing the book. You're writing how that conversation's gonna go. But in real life, I mean, real life conversations are, they are, you know, sporadic and they're complicated and, and they're unpredictable. If you have small children, they're probably cut off. You know, you're in the middle of, you're getting ready to say something important and then somebody has to go potty or something. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, in real life, I can't just have this nice, neat and tidy conversation with someone and then be done and check a box. And also, it just didn't feel right. I mean, it felt like a move that I was doing on someone else. It was like, okay, if I say this and I say this, then they respond in this way and then I can put them in a spiritual half Nelson and get them to believe in Jesus. Conversations with people about Jesus should not be a wrestling move or a karate move that we do on someone. Because, frankly, everyone's different. And so the same move doesn't work on everyone. People shouldn't be forced to fit into something or left out of something because they didn't fit into the move that we had. Secondly, it's not like a karate move because karate moves are done on someone. Which, by the way, if you know real karate, I apologize for my fake karate chop up here, but um, karate moves are done on someone. That person is the, is the recipient. You could even say the victim of the move. But our goal is not to do something to someone. Our goal is that that person would respond, that they wouldn't be passive, but instead they would be active, that they would actively respond to the message of Jesus and choose to follow him. Third, karate moves are momentary. They happen in an instant, but conversations of faith aren't a one and done, are they? Inviting someone to follow Jesus is often a series of conversations because faith is a journey. And yes, there are pivotal moments on that journey, uh, moments when, when people make decisions of faith that are life-changing or, or, or moments where there's, there's, there's breakthroughs. And so we don't want to discount uh, the moment that someone decides to follow Jesus or, or, or their baptism or that mission trip or that retreat. But those take place along a journey of faith that lasts a lifetime. And so oftentimes, those conversations happen over a course of time. It's not a one and done. And then finally, conversations about Jesus shouldn't be like a karate move because karate moves hurt. They're, they're painful. They're insensitive. They're impersonal. We're not trying to beat someone into becoming a Christian. It's not like if I win and you lose and I get you on the ground, then you have to follow Jesus. We're doing this out of genuine love and care for the other person. 
Therefore, because conversations of faith happen in the context of a relationship, we have to move at the speed of the relationship. We can't rush it. We can't force it. But we have to let things happen at the right time. Now, on the other side of the coin, we have to keep up with the relationship. We can't be the ones dragging our feet as the conversation progresses, but we move at the speed of relationship. And so what is this? What does this look like? What does an actual conversation look like? Well, the best place to start is by speaking personally from your life into another person's life, into a place that's personal for them. Because it's, that's the goal, isn't it? Because our faith is deeply personal and deeply powerful for us, and because we hope and pray that it will be deeply personal and powerful for the other person, we're speaking from a deep place in us to a deep place in them. And so a great way to con- convey that is through a personal story, through getting to know, so, know someone personally and then sharing personally from our own lives. We want to share personally from our life into their life. Because personal stories are, are powerful. Everyone has a personal story, and sharing personally is a great way to connect with someone. If you want to really get to know someone, you don't walk up and say, hey, let's talk about insurance policies. <laughs> no, if you want to get to know someone, you hear their story. So tell me about yourself. How did you get to, to where we are today? And so we can do that as a vehicle for a conversation of faith. And so we begin not by speaking, but by listening. We hear their story. We get to know them on a personal level as we hear their story, as we hear about them, as we hear about their hopes and their dreams, maybe their fears, maybe their regrets, maybe the the moments that have shaped who they are up to this point. We begin by listening as we hear their story. And then when the time is right, and we're not rushing it, remember, but when the time is right, we can share our story. We can talk about who we are, which includes our journey of faith. And I would say this, that if a journey of faith is not a part of your personal story, if it's not a part of your story, then you might not be on a journey of faith. But if you are following Jesus, if Jesus is Lord, then that is a crucial part of your life. And so you can share that. You can share personally about how you have experienced God, about how following Jesus has changed you. And then in talking about our story of faith, it will naturally open the door to share God's story. So we hear their story, we share our story, And then we can share God's story, the reason why faith is a part of our story. But I know that there's probably questions at this point. Somebody is saying, okay, hey, time out, time out. How do I do that? How do I take all of this and put it in just a few minutes and explain it in a way that makes any sense to anyone else? Like, yes, I understand that it's not a karate move that we're doing on somebody, but Give me something. Give me like a, a starting point. Give me some handles. And so um, a great way to explain uh, God's story is actually the way that we explain it at Club 305, our after-school program for second through fifth graders. And so I've always thought if it's good enough for a second grader, it's good enough for me. And so I'm going to explain it, which, by the way, if you help with Club 305, you're probably getting nervous right now because I have a marker in my hand. And you know that it's, it gets a little messy sometimes. I've been practicing. I'll try to do my best handwriting. But 
we begin at the same place that the Bible begins, with God. In the beginning, God. And God is good. God is loving. God is perfect. God is also the source of life. And so God created all things. God created life. And God created us. But there was something special about us because God created us in his image. Which means that God gave us a choice. God didn't program us to love him. God doesn't make us love him. We're not robots. God gave us a choice of how to live. We can choose to love him, to respect him, to honor him. We can choose to live life his way or we can choose to disrespect God, to dishonor him, to do things our own way. And more times than not, for us, we choose our own way, which is the club through a five definition of sin, when we do things our way instead of God's way. And so because we sin, because we sin, the world is broken. And the reason that the world is broken is because we are broken. We are broken, we break other people, and we're breaking the world. And you know, that's something that everyone can agree on. No matter what uh, faith or religion or, or perspective somebody has, we can all agree, and I found this to be true, we all agree, man, this place is messed up. There is something wrong here. We are the reason that there's something wrong. Because we sin. And also because we sin, we have separated ourselves from God. And we drew this line, not God. God didn't separate us from him. We are separated from God because of our sin. And so if God is the source of life, then what is our end? What do we deserve? What do we receive? Death. Thank you, Dominic. We, reserve, we, we deserve death. But that's not the end of the story, is it? God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to rescue us, that Jesus came. And, and, and so because Jesus is God's son, because, you know, Jesus and God are on the same team, he's also perfect, and he is the source of life. He's the author of life. And so God sent Jesus, and Jesus willingly came to our broken world. And then Jesus did something amazing. He died for us. Jesus took on death so that we, all of us, could have life. We are made perfect in Jesus. And I know this probably looks a little bit like a football play, <laughs> but this is, this is the truth. Very simply put, Jesus switched to spots. If it was a game and there was, there was the winning team that deserved life and the losing team that deserved death, Jesus said, I'll switch you guys spots. Jesus took on death so that we could have life. But because Jesus is God's son, he didn't stay dead. A couple days later, because of Jesus' power and his, and his divinity, he beat death. So not only did he pay for our sin, not only is he our redeemer, the word redeem means to buy back, to pay for, so Jesus redeemed us, but then also Jesus came out of the grave as we've already sang this morning. Imagine this, imagine a wall, it's the wall of death and all of humanity from throughout history has run up against that wall and been broken by it. But Jesus, because of who he is, he ran into that wall and he broke the wall. 
So in the same way that Jesus broke the wall of death, in the same way that he died and was raised to new life, all of us who follow him will also follow him to death and then to new life forever. And so this is what Jesus did for us. Now I need to acknowledge that maybe you're here today and you're like, excuse me, I'm the person on the other side of the conversation. This is the first time this really has made any sense to me. And so if that's you, if faith is not yet a part of your journey, man, find me or Brian or any of the other pastors. We would love to have a conversation with you and do what's next, which is to invite you into God's story. We hear their story, we share our story, we share God's story, and then we invite them into God's story, which very simply put is this, is saying, I believe in Jesus, and I know that if I led my life, it would be a wreck. So I've surrendered my life to Jesus. He leads, I follow, and if you want to follow Jesus, I will walk along with you. And so we move at the speed of relationship. And in some cases, in some cases, this all happens in an evening. In other cases, it happens over the course of months, years, maybe even decades. But we move at the speed of relationship. We are attentive to the Holy Spirit's leading of what's next. So take courage. Step out. Let's commit to pray for and care for and listen and have conversations with people one at a time. And remember, remember what Jesus promised. He said, surely I'm with you always. And so the same Holy Spirit power, the same presence that is prompting you to say something is also speaking through your words and is working in the ears and hearts of the person you are speaking to. The deck is stacked in our favor because of God's presence with us. But we have to open our mouths. We can't remain silent. We can't be buckets. We have to be pipelines. And if there's one message, if there's one point that I could leave you with after, after 13 years of ministry, it's this. It can't end with us. We were not created to be a dead end. We were created by God to make disciples, to share the message of Jesus with others. God has uniquely placed each of you, each of us, near other people, and you are the best person to reach them. God has placed you there so that you can reach them and invite them to the next step of faith. You know, if I could go back to that conversation with Kim and have that conversation again, or with any of the people that I feel like I was silent, I would say this. I would listen, first of all. But then I would let them know that I care about them. I would let them know that my life has been changed by God. I would let them know that God loves them, that no matter what they've done or what's been done to them, that God loves them and wants to be with them. There's nothing they can do to separate themselves from God's love. There's nothing they can do to make themselves undesirable to God. That he is pursuing them and he wants to be near to them and that he invites them to be near to him. And then I would let them know 
that I would be glad to walk along with them in a journey of faith. And so for each of us this week, we have conversations ahead of us. We have relationships. You have relationships. God has placed you in the lives of the people around you. And so who's that person? Who is that one person? Who can you pray for? Or if you don't have anyone in mind, can you pray that God would bring someone to mind? Who can you be a neighbor to this week? Or if you already have a relationship with a neighbor or a friend or coworker or someone else, how can you intentionally listen this week? How can you hear their story? And then as you're hearing their story, as you're listening, can you pray this prayer? Can you pray a prayer that God would open up a door for a spiritual conversation so that you can share your story, so that you can share God's story? Maybe you already know someone, you've already heard their story, you've already shared your story, but now it's time to start talking about Jesus. It's time to very explicitly share about your faith. Finally, for some of you, it's time to share God's story. It's time to invite them into a story of faith of their own. It's time to say, you know, I love you, and I want you to experience the joy of following Jesus just like I follow him. Would you consider it? I will walk along with you. You know, maybe a great step for the other person is that you invite them to attend church with us during the At The Movies series. But let me warn you, this is not the last step. Just because you invite someone to church doesn't mean you're off the hook yet. Church services are most powerful for people when they have someone to walk along with them as God opens doors. And so an invitation to church is an invitation to walking with someone in faith. So whatever needs to happen this week, whatever it takes, do it. Step out in faith. Have that conversation. Let's pray. God, we surrender ourselves to you. God, we know that we are nothing and that you loved us. You did everything to reach us. Thank you for Jesus. But God, the message can't stay with us. We can't be dead ends. Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage, the strength, the opportunities to share our faith with others, to have that conversation. Lord, may the name of Jesus Christ be upon our lives and upon we, our lips, we pray in Jesus' name.